Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well guys, would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 23. We're going to continue in the study of Jesus' speaking. But Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He went into the temple, you'll remember. And he said, they looked around, they were selling, you know, sheeps and exchanging money and they Jesus he made a whip he drove out the money changers he overturned the the one selling stuff he said get out of here this is my father's house and my father's house what's this say in the old testament it should be a house of what of prayer for all nations they were supposed to be praying but instead they were merchandising now some people say you know you don't have any stuff for sale here I said sorry not really I don't need stuff for sale. I'm supposed to make this a house of what? Prayer. We're supposed to be praying for all people. Not, you know, no wonder people don't want to join the church. They go there like, what's the difference with this church and going to Walmart? I mean, they're all just pushing, selling something, you know. We're not here to sell you anything today. We're here to help your faith be fed and increased and strengthened. And the only way I know that happens is when people get together and pray. And they seek the Lord together. And they listen to the things, what, what the scriptures testify to point us out to, 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 toward the Lord, to get us to look at Him. We got everything in this world pointing us away from Him. Get, trying to draw our attention after something, some advertisement, some distraction. Isn't there always distractions? Has anyone noticed this? Have you ever noticed if you try to spend time seeking the Lord, that all of a sudden distractions pop up? Anyone here can give an amen that happens? Yeah, amen? Well, let me tell you, it's ironic to me that Jesus is teaching the people. And, and he's driven out the money changers. And by the way, this is probably the religious leaders. Um, they were all either, if they weren't personally doing the money changing, they were, they were on the beneficiary side of the money changing going on. They were getting a cut. And so they're not liking Jesus. It says from that moment they began to plot how they could kill him. Now while this week goes on, he is going to begin to teach the crowds. And I call this the, the window of Jesus' public teaching from the time he rides in and they're crying, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You're the, they were proclaiming he is spiritually the king. And the religious leader is like, we don't like this guy. He's getting too big a crowd. We got to kill him. So he began to teach them the kingdom of heaven, what it was like. And the crowds, they look, I, you know, I have never gone wrong when I teach people what the scripture says about heaven. Because, you know, you tell people about what the scripture says. Jesus told his disciples, don't let your hearts be heavy. I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm going to my father's house. And I go to prepare a place for you. He says, in my father's house are many what? Mansions. Now, if I go to prepare a place for you, think this one through. If he's going to fix up a place for you, some people joke, you know, on earth, what was his earthly occupation before public preaching? Anyone remember his dad, Joseph? What was his? Carpenter. You think he could do good carpentry down here. Just wait till you see what he does in heaven. He says, I have many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you so that I might come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, 
you may be also. He has a mansion awaiting you. Anyone think that's a good upgrade? Looking forward to a heavenly mansion, you know. He's I got you know, don't don't be bummed out. If we just knew the focus, right, of what we have that lies ahead, the hope, we'd be going, All right. This is great. The Lord has a mansion awaiting me. Now he went to prepare a place for us. But he said, I'll come again. And while he was down here in this last week, there the religious leaders are plotting to kill Jesus. The crowds are coming to him and he's healing everyone who's sick, afflicted, anyone has a problem. He, full of compassion and mercy. I love the Lord's style. You ever notice how, I mean, it doesn't matter what the person's problem is. When they come to him, he just pours out his mercy and heals them, touches them, makes them whole. Well, he had some things he spoke to these religious leaders right in front of the crowds. Didn't pull any punches. Now, I don't know about you, but being racist, saying I like this style. Um, it's what we call straight to the point. You know, he he goes right to these guys and he says, "Woe unto you guys! You're so um." Well, he he's gonna say something. I already read you the first four woes, if you recall, if you were with us. They're found in Matthew twenty-three, starting there, verse one, down to. I'm sorry, verse uh, verse thirteen. We got all the way to 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 verse twenty-two, where they were. He said, "Woe to them!" They were. These guys were blind guides leading the blind. He says in verse seventeen, and they they would say things like, "You know, if you swear by the offering on the altar, then that really counts." But it, um, if you swear by the altar, that doesn't really count. And he, Jesus said, wait a minute, what's more, what, what what sanctifies what? The altar sanctifies the offering, or the offering sanctifies the altar. If you swear by the house of the Lord, you know, or by the throne of God, swear by heaven. Jesus said, listen, you guys, you you are fools. You don't understand. First of all, are we supposed to swear as Christians? No, Jesus, you recall back in Matthew in the early part in chapter 6, 7, he says, don't even swear. Let your yes be what? Yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond that, that's evil. You don't have to swear. I am always suspicious when someone says, I swear to God, Pastor, I'm telling you the truth. You know I'm suspicious, right? If they got to swear to me, they're telling me the truth at this moment. What, what does it mean all the rest of the time they were talking to me? Like... Were they, were they telling me the truth then? I mean, just be a person of your word. Jesus made it really simple. I don't know if you noticed that about the Lord, but when you when you look at how he teaches and the things he teaches, he cuts through all the baloney and just makes it short and sweet. This is what you do. You want to know what the greatest command? They asked him, what's the greatest command? They were testing him. He said what? Love the Lord with all your what? Four things. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength all you all four parts of your dimension of your being you know your physical your emotional your spiritual your 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 your, your thinking the whole package deal love god with all of you second command like the first what was it love your neighbor as what yourself so I gotta love my neighbor with all my. It says it's like unto. I like the old King James. It is like unto the first. Okay, like unto means same idea, right? If I love God with my heart, 
love my neighbor with my heart. I love God with my mind. Love my neighbor with my love God with my spirit. Come on, you can follow this, right? Love my neighbor with my love I'm supposed to love with the complete package, not well, I love them intellectually, but I don't want to lift a finger to help them. You know, you what you want me to use my strength to actually help somebody? I said it says the whole law hangs on these two commands, by the way. That you just love God like this and love your neighbor like this. And you'll fulfill all the rules. But the religious guys, they didn't like this Jesus. He made it too simple. He boiled it down too easy. And he has some woes that he pronounces against them. He says, you guys, woe to you, you blind guides. He says, you, you don't get what, what it is that sanctifies what. And verse 23 Today we pick up with this. This is the fifth woe in the list. And by the way, I think it's one of the heaviest. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, For you tithe of mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law. Things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, and you swallow a what? A camel. Now, if you're not familiar, we, I, I alluded to this two, three weeks ago that we'd come to this, but in Jewish culture, were they allowed to eat a camel? Anyone know the dietary law? The, you know, like the Jews couldn't eat pork, right? They, the, the, the hoof is cloven, and there's there's different um, things in the law tells us. If they chew the cud, they, and they have to split the hoof, and... There are certain animals in the dietary law of the Jews that is considered unclean. By the way, a camel falls under this list. They're unclean animals. They weren't to eat of them. Yet Jesus says, and, and they would say, well, I can't eat a gnat either. It's an unclean insect. But these guys were so, how do I put it, pretentiously religious, that if they were walking along, took in a breath, and they sucked in a gnat. Oh, a breath. Oh, my gosh, I got a gnat. They would make a big scene, spitting and trying to strain out the gnat from their teeth. If, if they should happen to get, I can't eat anything unclean. Jesus says, you guys, you make such a big show. How you're so righteous, you wouldn't even dare eat something as small as a gnat that is unclean. Yet he says, what do you say they swallowed? A camel. Something is wrong in their approach with the Lord. And now let me read on to you and show you what he says it is. They, these fellas, they have... They had their focus a little shifted. He says, You guys, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, verse 25, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. And you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it might become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, verse 27, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful. But inside you're what? You're full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. They looked real good on... Have you ever met religious people that on the outward, they're all, all about the outside. They're always fixing up the outside. You get to know them and you're like, whoa. Now, one way to know what's on the inside, and I always try to teach the... Teenagers this when they're getting ready for well actually I should teach all the singles. Oh, all, everyone is single, raise your hand. I just need to see. All the singles. Yeah, Dottie, raise your hand. 
Okay. I'm pointing this out because some folks, they tell me, well, I can't really tell when I'm dating, you know, because they always put the best foot forward. And the guy's all nice when you, you know, when they start going out, they're real careful watching their P's and Q's and, and, and how they behave. And how do I know, you know, once you, once I get to know them, then all of a sudden the junk comes out. And I try to teach, especially to my own girls and my son, that when it comes to the dating pool, there's only one way to tell what's really in a person's heart. It's recorded for us in the Old Testament. It says, out of a man's mouth, you'll find out what's in their heart. You know, if you just take the time to listen to what they talk about, what, what are they interested in? You know, just given, I'm talking when they're not, not in front of everybody at church, because that's when they put on their best behavior. I'm talking about when they're in their own element, when they're at home, you know, kicked back. What, when, what, when you get to hear, what are they really into? What's their, what, what do they get excited about? What's the hobby that they love or the, 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 the thing that really, you know, gets them excited? All you got to do to find this out, by the way, is just be quiet and let them talk. And out of their mouth will proceed whatever whatever's in their heart, whatever their favorite hobby is, whatever. I mean, one quick question. So what's your favorite thing to do? Zip. Now I listen. And you will find out. Okay, how about the top three? You just ask them, what's the top three things you like to do? You know, I find that so ironic that in the dating world today, people are making the mistake what the Pharisees made by this. They're all about the outside of the cup. All about getting the outside all cleaned up, but they don't worry about what's on the inside. And we have, by the way, a very superficial culture that has really put a lot of emphasis on the outside, isn't it? I mean, you, you watch the TV and they're all about how to doll up the outside and how to put on this, whatever the latest fad of clothing is or the fancy stuff and how to get the outside all wonderful. There's a problem with that, though. What, what does it say in Ecclesiastes? Solomon wrote this book about Vanity, vanity, all is what? It's all vanity. It's all, everything goes the way of the earth, he says. It's all, you know, you can have a flower, he says, which is alive today. Beautiful. In fact, Jesus even quoted this. Live today looks all in its glory. And tomorrow it what? It withers. And it dies. And if, you, if you've lived long enough, you can, how many can give a witness that even these bodies wither? Anybody here's body showing signs of withering besides mine? See, the young kids don't know what we're talking about. They're all looking at us like, you crazy old people. But let me tell you, honestly, these things wither. And, and that thing I started the message with about how God has a new place for us. His son went to prepare a mansion. Well, I like that because Paul the Apostle, he says these, these bodies you're in, they're, they're just tents. And God has an upgrade. A mansion not made by human hands, eternal in the heavens and that is what you're now see some guys always teach it like it's a building you're going to move into it is a building it's a building for your spirit but i got a question for you is it possible that building he's talking about is that eternal body that will be perfect with no pain no sorrow by the way if you want to do the hermeneutics that is actually a better interpretation of a mansion that he goes to prepare than what we think of as earthly buildings. He's going to prepare a body for your spirit that when you... Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought like I have? 
you know, this, what's reflecting back here doesn't really match what's on the inside of me. I'm much better looking than this. On the inside. It's just that this old tent is got some wear on it and it's starting to not look like it's supposed to and you know when you get to heaven and and God takes your spirit and puts it in that everlasting body that he created for you when you look at the reflection of that you'll say that's who I am inside it will match for the first time that inside what is in you is going you're going to go yeah that's me but for right now God put us in these tents, but he gave us a hope, a hope that tells us someday we're getting an upgrade and we will cast off this earthly tent and put on an eternal mansion. Now that body, it says, is not prepared by human hands. It's prepared by God. It will last you forever. It's immortal. The scripture says it's incorruptible. This is Second Corinthians chapter 6. It's immortal, incorruptible, made by God. That is a promise that I like to remind people of. That you have that waiting for you. You get to upgrade from this body to a new one. Now with that hope, Jesus looks at these guys who are putting all the emphasis. Now, the, the bummer to me is these are the religious leaders. And what are they putting the emphasis on? The outside. What you wear, how you dress, how you look, how you doll up. The, but they don't go to the inside. Jesus said, you look at the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. But you blind Pharisee, first clean the what? The inside of the cup and the dish, so that the outside of it might become clean also. This is one of the things really important to emphasize today for our, for our spiritual growth. Is God is interested on cleaning us from the inside out. He starts in the matters of the heart. He, he, you understand that, right? He's not a God that goes, I care about how you look on the outside. No. He's a God that cares about what's on the inside. And, and for that, I'm very grateful. Now, I know there are religious people today. I call them the modern-day Pharisees. We have pharisaical Christians. Anyone give an amen to that? still walking around all they care about is how you look on the outside in fact some groups when you go to their particular gathering you've got to dress a particular dress code i know when i was a young man i went to the mormon church right away i was like not wearing the mormon what we call dress code you had to have a white press shirt button up with a tie and slacks pressed pleated you know, dress shoes. I didn't own any of these things, by the way. First thing I thought is, God, he's probably not going to let me in. Because I don't have the right attire. Is that true, by the way? Is, does the attire matter to God at all? No. Because God is a God who looks at the heart, not at the outside. It's those religious leaders, and by the, they're still around today, who say, that's what's important. Clean up the outside. No. Clean up the inside. The outside gets clean. It's a reflection of what's inside. You, you want to really change in a real life impacting way? You got to start by changing what's inside. And Jesus called these religious leaders. Now this is the last week he's on earth, guys. He's going to go to the cross real soon. They're going to kill him on Good Friday. And it's just in these last 
few teachings, he's telling them what the most important, to the very religious leaders, all the people get to hear him. He scolds them. I mean, how would you like Jesus to say to you, woe unto you? Do you think that's a like a compliment? Excuse me, all religious leaders, come here. i got something to tell you. They're probably, oh yeah, yeah, let's go front. Jesus wants to talk now to us. And they get up there and he goes, woe unto you, you blind guides. You whitewashed tombs. You're so good looking on the outside and you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. How do you think they felt? They liked him more now, huh? They were like, oh, applause, applause, what great teaching. No, they didn't. How many of you guys that read ahead, you know what they're going to do next, right? They're going to be, they're plotting already. This just threw fuel on the fire. They couldn't wait to grab him and kill him. If we could get the inside of the cup clean, what happens to the outside? It just follows. No big deal. But if we make all the emphasis on making the outside clean and we leave the inside dirty, we leave it full of death and deceit and self-indulgence, corruption, then it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. You're still full of dead men's bones. You're just a Christian oozing death as you walk by. But you look good. Isn't that important? No, not to God. What he truly cares about is that you get right with him in your heart. You let him fix the things inside. And when you let him do that, that's when your life will radically change. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Was it something that I said? I played it over in my head I didn't understand your signs And now you say you have to go away You say that leaving will be good for me You say someday I'll understand My heart is aching and it's just too hard to see what good can come into my life if you're not here with me?
for 